Welcome to today's Energize Your Day, an event series that Equinor organizes in partnership with Euroactive, and where we wish to foster dialogue on topical trends and issues impacting Europe and the world. We believe in the power of an open and constructive dialogue to enhance understanding and promote long-term thinking, leading to collaborative solutions and actions. My name is Ola Wommelsjöversen, and I will moderate today's event on how EU-US relations can be reset in practice. To discuss the road ahead for this partnership, we have a great panel with us that I will introduce in a minute. But first, some house rules. If you who follow us online wish to engage you uh, with this great panel, you can use uh, the hashtag of EUE debates and you can also engage on uh, our chat function. The debate is recorded and will be available on your active website in due course. Now, President Biden's European tour seems not to have been a strong bellwether for what lied ahead. Europe was taken by surprise by the rapid exit from Afghanistan and the announced Australia-UK-US cooperation in the Indo-Pacific region. Advancing the trade relationship has also uh, not reached cruising speed. And this week's Trade and Technology Council come at a time where fences rather seem to have to be mended anew. To discuss what reset for EU-US relations, we will in order hear from Ruth Bachada, Head of Division United States and Canada at the European External Action Service, MEP Mia Petra Kumpula-Natri, Vice Chair of the European Parliament's delegation with the United States and of the Special Committee on Artificial Intelligence in a Digital Age, as well as member of the Industry and Energy Committee of the European Parliament, MEP Anna Asimakupulu, Vice Chair of the Parliament's Committee on International Trade, a member of the Committee on Development as well as the Special Committee on Artificial Intelligence in a Digital Age, and the European Parliament's Delegation to Relations with Israel. George Frampton, Distinguished Senior Fellow and Director of the Transatlantic Climate Policy Initiative at the Atlantic Council, and Giovanni Campi, Director Europe of the Transatlantic Business Council. Warm welcome to you all. To kick off today's debate, each of you will have about three minutes to share your perspectives on how to advance the EU-US partnership um, in the months and years to come. First to you, Mrs. Bajada, 100 days into the Biden administration and half term into the von der Leyen Commission, where does the EU relations now stand and how can they be advanced. We look forward to your introductionary statement. Uh, thanks a lot, Olai. And uh, you're going to make my job a bit more difficult with the introduction that uh, that you did. But you started off uh, in an interesting mode, uh, highlighting the importance of dialogue. And I think um, 
um, in the, um, especially in the, in you know, in in what in the recent events that you also mentioned, and in the difficult sort of, and the big questions that we still have um, or that we're we're working on resolving with the US, um, the major uh, the major issue or the major change and the major shift that we have seen with this administration is um, precisely dialogue and the fact that uh, you know there's uh, there are numbers to call, there are people to meet, and there are ways and of how to discuss and uh and to take uh and to take things forward you know this relationship is um the biggest the eu has uh, be it uh you know uh, historical ties be it economic be it security being be it foreign policy trade uh, you know you name it health now pand- um, uh, post pandemic so it's it's a relationship that is uh, extremely wide um and that of course hiccups can you know will will happen along the way and uh, we will not always be on the same page this is uh, this is clear and it's uh, it has become clear also in the first uh, first months but certainly um there is uh, i think a lot of will um uh, from from our side from the side of uh, the US, but also from the side of the member states um, uh, to uh, to take this uh, this partnership forward, to strengthen it, and not only for for the sake of our uh, bilateral relationship, but also for the sake of uh, you know the the world and the world that is watching us and watching this relationship uh, relationship grow. Um, I think in terms of EU, certainly we were very much prepared for uh, um, for the new administration. We had uh, we had. Um, a joint communication that we could present the new administration, um, and uh, and uh, in fact, I think our thoughts and internal thinking was very much on the right uh, um, on the right wavelength. Um, because when when President Biden came to Europe on his first uh, visit outside of Washington, and we had uh, the EU US summit, um, we could see that most of what uh, what the proposals of the EU uh, that the EU made to the US and to the new administration are very much. Um, found in this uh, joint statement that now we have to uh, take forward and uh, and deliver. And I think we have the agenda, you know, from the 15th of June, uh, um, we have already had uh, a lot of work. Already along the summit, we've had some trade uh, discussions and we have uh, sort of found uh, an agreement or a way uh, forward on uh, on the large uh, civil aircraft situation um we've uh, and you've mentioned also the trade and technology council with uh, with the first meeting taking place this uh, this wednesday we've had a gr- we agreed also um uh, how you know to deal with uh, with the pandemic itself you've seen also the statement or the joint statement between um that was uh, um, launched with uh, by President von der Leyen um, uh, last uh, last week. We have a lot of work on climate ongoing. There's a you know a, a good syner- syner- uh, excellent synergy I would say between EVP Timmermans and uh, and uh, special presidential envoy for climate John Kerry. Um, we've had already the second meeting of high level climate action group. Of course, there a lot of work needs to be done in particular on uh, climate finance. Um, uh, we have, uh, I mentioned uh, also the work on, on COVID. The TTC in itself, you know, it's a huge, uh, huge agenda going forward. A lot of work on investment screening, on investment screening, on, you know, on the digital front, on, um, on uh, secure supply chains. And, uh, you know, and my area, your big area of, um, 
where, where we work on, on certainly on foreign policy. We've had the launch of the China dialogue, a number of dialogues that we've agreed on. We work very much on the ground, you know, Western Balkans on, you know, the Eastern and on the Eastern partnership. So there the agenda is really, really wide. Again, we've seen hiccups along the way and, uh, you know, we have a lot of, um, you know, difficult work ahead of us. Uh, privacy shield, you know, we've mentioned trade, not also, not only the bilateral, but also uh, WTO, for instance, and where, uh, you know, where we see WTO uh, heading. So the agenda is, um, is wide, but I said, uh, you know, I wouldn't uh, just as yet say that the honeymoon is over, but, uh, or maybe beyond the honeymoon, there's a, a long uh, marriage uh, that's, uh, that we both uh, have to, you know, make this work um, together. So I'll leave it at that for now. Happy to hear that the conclusion is that uh, we are on uh, or onwards to the honeymoon, uh, <laughs> Ruth. Um, uh, Mia Petra, uh, US President John F. Kennedy once said that the best time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. Is, um, in your role as the Vice Chair of the European Parliament's Delegation for Relations with the US, and I know that you've been in recent contact with US homologues, can you do, sort of confirm that the sun is out on the both side, uh, sides of the Atlantic and we are uh, ready to fix uh, relations or that we are already in the process of fixing them? Um, I think uh, sun is still uh, uh, shining and it was when this agreement to talk today, the very timely meeting was, of course, then we already have some, uh, if I quote, hiccups then for the relations, even the launch, the Wednesday TTC. Uh, but for me, it's, it's still time to show that we can deliver. If I uh, listen to this previous speaker, a long exhaustive list that what we could do, the challenge is that now we should really deliver. And then I, I see the Wednesday as a concrete new start, as it also has not only the people who usually get in contact, but it has a political leadership, it has a political will from both sides to have this extensive uh, list for topics for the TTC. But it's also that we come to the new time, and not only for the new Biden administration or uh, European uh, uh, commission with van der Leyen and then willingness to create a more uh, close contacts with transatlantic uh, cooperation but it is also that time is changing uh, the climate acute uh, crisis is getting worse and we see the science calling us to deliver quicker and more and that's why it's very important that Biden is willing to do that uh, I was skeptical in the beginning that how much can he deliver but I maybe uh, have a hopes to see that it turns to be bipartisan, uh, uh, more bipartisan to see that some actions are needed uh, for the, the climate efforts, which, by the way, at the same time, uh, modernize uh, U.S. Uh, infrastructure so they can combine many good aims together. And then also the times are changing that we see the digital is getting there on the agenda. It wasn't there when WTO was uh, created, climate not, di not digital. So that also stresses a new kind of uh, agenda uh, in front of us that wasn't there before that strongly. It didn't happen over the night, but it uh, wasn't that strong uh, maybe uh, seven years ago or when even the TTIP was uh, negotiated. So I, I put a lot of hopes for the restart that a new era is also for the new 
surrounding world uh, to, to mention. So trade is an old, old uh, uh, on the agenda. It's not at all the easiest one and requires solutions. But then we have these new topics that could combine us uh, with the pressure from outside uh, that if we don't deliver, neither of us maybe will be the survivor or the champion for the AI or for the quantum or for other uh, human-driven uh, development for the digital society. And if I may uh, conclude uh, by mentioning also that democracies are challenged from inside, but also externally, and that can also get us together to, to take the values on board uh, when we talk about the uh, the common targets that we have. I love the idea of having almost 20% of the global economy in the European uh, legislative so the parliament being the legislator, uh, combining on some fields, our efforts would be even 40%. So the Brussels effect could be transatlantic effect. And that motivates, I hope, uh, us to work together. Thank you, Mia Petra. And uh, thank you for stressing um, the urgency of, uh, of fixing the, the transatlantic relations. Um, indeed, the list is long of what needs um, to be uh, addressed and, and climate, absolutely one of them, we will revert to, to that issue. Uh, Anna Michel, you're a strong supporter of the, the transatlantic relationship and um, you follow EU-US trade discussions closely. Today, you have an op-ed out um, on the Trade and Technology Council on the, on the website of Euroactive. Um, this council will meet in Pittsburgh on Wednesday uh, and you argue in your op-ed that uh, it is uh, one of the strongest uh, opportunities for a reset of um, the transatlantic relation. Uh, what are your expectations for uh, the council discussions um, uh, this week and, and how um, it can help reset relations? Thank you, Olaf, and thank you very much to Euractive and to Equinor for organizing this. It's really a, an honor and a pleasure to be discussing this important topic with such a distinguished uh, panel. Um, yes, it's true, Olaf, I, I've, I've been very vocal about the fact that I am a, a big fan of the transatlantic relationship, and that's for three reasons. One, it's a, it's a relationship with historic depth. Secondly, it's a relationship which is based on a on a common set of, of values. And thirdly, it's a relationship that um, stems from uh, mutual benefit, uh, which I think also has a lot of future in it. So um, finally, it's, it's a relationship that is particularly critical to our security and to our prosperity. And I think going forward in the digital age, it'll be even more critical for our security and of course, for um, our, uh, the preservation of our democracy in and of itself. Um, I, you know, I was very pleased when uh, the, the, the EU um, put out this, you know, this uh, communication saying we really, you know, this is, a, this is a, an opportunity, uh, once in a lifetime opportunity for us to collaborate with the United States. Um, I was very worried when we um, announced the CHI because I thought that might create problems in the relationship. Um, I was, you know, I was a little bit, I mean, I was very pleased with the, when the EU-US summit happened. I was very pleased that this was President Biden's first trip. 
Um, I had probably higher expectations than I should have from this from this summit. Um, a lot of longstanding issues, which I thought we could make more progress on, like the Boeing Airbus uh, complete resolution of that, as opposed to just you know uh, moving forward, sweeping it under the rug for another five years, which is as far as I'm concerned what happened, um, or on uh, the steel and aluminium tariffs. So it, I wasn't very pleased that a lot of these issues were not. Uh, moving forward the way I thought they should off the bat. But I was very pleased to, to see that this Trade Technology Council was announced and I placed a lot of hope in it. So after what happened in Afghanistan and after what happened, of course, with AUKUS, which, yes, you know, clearly was, uh, was an affront to one of our member states and, 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 a, and a big deal. Um, I was very worried that, that this uh, Trade Technology Council was going to be... Um, postponed, maybe even indefinitely. So um, hence the, the, um, the uh, op-ed, which I thank you again for, um, for hosting. But um, I'm now happy that this is going ahead. Um, I have much more limited expectations uh, than I did in the past, not just because we've had these you know, bumps on the road uh, but because I think that it's clear that we're in a different world. And I think that in Europe right now, the way things are with, you know, the German elections and the French uh, elections coming up and the French presidency and all this discussion about strategic autonomy, um, our relationship as Europe with as European Union with China, which is a lot more balanced, let's say, than the stance that the United States is taking at the moment. Let's say I have... Um, reasonably limited expectations, but, and, and I'll say this in closing, uh, I really do think the Trade and Technology Council is uh, at the moment a good opportunity to de-escalate some of the you know, tension that gave rise to uh, brought forth these rather you know, powerful statements on both sides. Uh, so, uh, and then generally, I think it's a forum where we can continue to diffuse whatever political differences are going to be happening and a good place where we can actually make some progress, some real progress on issues, whether they are semiconductors to start with or the fact that we all agree that we, you know, a risks-based approach to AI is the way to go and creating trust. Whatever we do is in the right direction. Whatever we can resolve is a good thing at the moment. So um, I'm looking forward to the to the results from the Trade and Technology Council, but mostly I'm looking forward to seeing it become a forum where we can um, really come together on things that are important for the future of democracy. So thank you. Thank you, Anna. And uh, for sure, uh, the, the list of the topics that uh, the Trade and Technology Council has been uh, uh, tasked to deal with, they are uh, very much at the forefront of what the EU and the US need to deal with in a world uh, as complicated as the one we live in today. Now, um, George, in July this year, you published an article, Fit for 55, Reshaping Global Climate Leadership and the Transatlantic Cooperation. We are soon heading into COP26. Special Envoy John Kerry just gave us a peek of the US Sustainable Development Goal 7 Energy Compact of the US. Um, 
Is climate leadership a new field of cooperation or competition between the EU and the US, um, in your view? Well, uh, thank you uh, to Equinor and your active for including me in this conversation. That's an issue that was raised in the invitation to this, uh, to this conversation. And I, I would say that uh, the real need, the overwhelming need here uh, to echo those who've already spoken is for cooperation in leadership on climate, joint leadership, because it's really going to take uh, the U.S. And, the, and Europe working together to, uh, this is going to be essential to, to the success of global ambition on climate. The, the, only the U.S. and the EU can build a critical mass of the willing uh bring in working very closely together going to have to work closely together with the uk and canada but also to bring in japan korea south africa other oecd countries to begin with just to have this critical mass to address the huge economic transformation that's going to be required and and to work with china indian and lesser developed uh, countries where that's gonna that's gonna have to happen let me cite three key areas here for that are going to be very challenging for uh, cooperation. One is that the intersection of trade and climate policy is something not very well understood by most uh, policymakers in the United States, but it, it, it certainly poses significant problems to robust uh, EU-US cooperation. I don't think the biggest challenge here is the uh, border competing border carbon adjustments, although the EU BCAM is obviously the, the current hot item, because there's a common concern uh, within the EU and the US to prevent carbon leakage, to protect domestic industries competitiveness. So there certainly ought to be ways to harmonize, to, to work out together the concerns about leakage um, and and I, I'm happy to talk about that some more. I think the real challenge here in the, the trade climate nexus is that on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, we're going to be mounting enormous uh, public investment and stimulus programs in decarbonization, which requires carbon decarbonization subsidies, tax credits, public investment, public procurement policies. Normally, many of these policies, which will be uh, you know, carbon limited, are going to lead to objections under current WTO trade rules. Uh, and yet both sides are, will be doing these things in, the, in aid of a mutual essential public good, which is economic recovery and decarbonization. So I think it's it's the relationship between existing WTO trade policy and those uh, uh, those stimulus programs on both sides of the Atlantic where we're going to have to focus our attention. Second, I think there's a real opportunity in developing global cooperation on industrial decarbonization. Uh, here in some areas, the industry, steel, cement, uh, even the fertilizer industry, is a little bit ahead of government, but government policies and transatlantic cooperation are going to be essential to structure the right policy choices. 
to, to produce the massive investment necessary. And the third, obviously, is finance, public finance, of course, but figuring out how to stimulate the, the private finance uh, in the BRICS and lesser developed countries. This is ultimately probably the biggest ticket item of all. It would be the biggest challenge, and it's one where the U.S. and the EU have to begin as partners if we're going to make global progress. So I think focus on uh, industrial decarbonization, trade, and finance are probably the three areas where uh, transatlantic, close transatlantic cooperation uh, and leadership is, is uh, going to be essential. Thanks for that, George. Um, and uh, the last um, panelist uh, with us today, um, Giovanni, you represent the voice of uh, the business on the panel. Um, and uh, you've actively uh, worked on promoting transatlantic economic integration uh, through the business association, TABC. What role do you see for business in um, helping uh, reset EU-US relations going forward? Thank you very much, Olaf. Uh, thank you for the invitation to the, uh, to the panel. We're very honored to be here presenting the TABC. Now, listen, the, it's been said earlier, I think, um, by some of the speakers, the deal from an industry perspective, the TTC is the deal right now. And I think, you know, um, that really promises, I think, to relaunch, if you like, a positive economic integration agenda um, between the EU and the US that we haven't had for quite some time. So, I mean, I can echo some of the previous speakers saying, we're extremely pleased that the TTC uh, inaugural meeting is taking place um, later um, this week in, in, in Pittsburgh. And, and I think the industry uh, really looks at that with very, very high expectations, uh, in fact, um, but also with a degree of, of realism, I think. Um, very important for the TTC probably to start with kind of confidence building and uh, you know, momentum building initiatives um, to build a degree of trust and confidence. And uh, probably one of the most difficult things there is going to be to, for the two sides to, you know, to agree, I think, from the outset uh, on a series of definitions uh, and approaches and whatever to, to, to on issues, on specific issues like, uh, you know, what does a human-centric approach to AI mean? What does security mean? Tech accessibility, no discrimination. So a, a, a series of, of, of concepts that the two sides need to discuss and agree on. And then, you know, all the rest probably will come from there. Ultimately, the TTC, you know, will be about agreeing on standards, common standards, common approaches, and so on and so forth. But, you know, a discussion and a common understanding on principles and definitions at the beginning probably will be key. Now. To answer your question, the the uh, we think it will be key for the uh, for the industry to be very closely, obviously, associated to the uh, uh, to the TTC work um, because obviously of the of the of what the industry can bring, I think, to the table and to the discussion. So we very much hope, uh, you know, there are high expectations that the meeting later this week there will be some sort of announcement there as well uh, in terms of how industry can 
you know, uh, promote the transatlantic economy relationship, but input effectively and continuously and regularly on the TTC work um, going forward. That we think is, um, is, uh, is very important. Thank you. Thank you, Giovanni. And uh, I'll just want to remind the listeners that uh, you can also uh, post your questions in uh, the chat function of the Vimeo tool. Um, but um, I want to get back to our um, debate uh, a bit and to you, Ruth. Uh, you've heard um, the, um, several of the, the other panelists stressing uh, the importance of the TTC, um, including also that uh, there needs to be possibilities for, for business, but also I think there is a discussion about how, um, how representatives of the European Parliament can uh, uh, be interacting with, uh, with the TCC. Um, how do you see uh, that being decided? Uh, will it be decided this Wednesday or will it take a long uh, time before we know um, how the TTC will uh, actually work in practice? So, um, I think uh, how the TTC works uh, in practice is more or less, um, I mean, in terms of setup, um, we more or less know. So, there is a structure of uh, 10 working groups um, uh, dealing with different um, different work strengths that I think most of the speakers have, uh, have mentioned, you know, um, uh, technology standards, climate and clean tech. Um, secure supply chains, uh, information communication technology, um, data governance, uh, misuse of technology here uh, also related to human rights and uh, and uh, democracy as, uh, as uh, you know as, as one of the key um, um, subjects raised also by a previous speaker. Um, I think it builds on the work that was already ongoing with the US for a long time on export controls, on investment screening, um, and then there's also also the side of um, promoting uh, small and medium-sized enterprises and their access to the use of digital uh, tools and uh, also a final uh, working group on global trade challenges and that includes a wider discussion also on uh, on you know on the challenges from uh, from non-market economies so the the work strands are uh, are set up and there are different uh, working groups that uh, are um, already taking um, have already started and are already looking forward at an agenda um, uh, how to take the work forward. Uh, there is different. There are different uh, DGs from the Commission and also the EAS participating alongside um, uh, or, or on the US side with um, State Department, uh, um, Department of Commerce and uh, USDR from Trade and also the National Security Council, um, uh, the NSC from led by the White House, of course. So there's, um, you know, there's different working groups that are working on these, uh, you know, um, uh, on on these uh, on these working groups. Um, again, um, one has to understand that, of course, uh, you know, the summit was mid uh, mid June, um, and the work is really in in its uh, in its initial phases. There are some some areas that are more advanced. That there is more more clarity, let's say, of where we're going, um, and some that uh, will. Beyond after Wednesday would need also um, uh, to be uh, solidified, but a work a working program let's say is already in uh, in um, 
uh, in uh, in motion. Um, there's also, um, of course, uh, important uh, three three uh, things that I think also the my commission colleagues are looking at. One is uh, the involvement of civil society, um, uh, basically uh, exchanging with civil society what's uh, um, sort of what's being discussed, what's the setup, and how to make sure that uh, their ideas are also taken into consideration in in the in the work going forward. And then there is obviously engagement with uh, with the Euro European Parliament, and I think there um, we will see um, uh, uh, also once also we hear from the Parliament side how. Uh, um, how um, you know on on what setup to take this forward? I think there's um, uh, certainly a lot of readiness uh, for engagement, uh, also from from the Commission colleagues. And beyond that, I think the uh, the foreign policy aspect of you know uh, um, I think one of the speakers, if I'm not, if I remember well, George mentioned that this will be about standards and setting standards. Um, and of course, uh, you know that this this will be all the more important of how to engage other third countries like-minded. Uh, um, uh, third countries that uh, you know agree with uh, the EU and the US or have the same let's say world world vision uh, or, or um, you know global vision and uh, how to uh, work with with these countries to take the work that will be set out uh, this Wednesday in Pittsburgh um, and also you know going forward because of course this is um, just the first meeting and uh, you know it's laying the ground of uh, of uh, of a huge agenda ultimately. Thank you, and uh, Ruth and uh, yeah, Petra, you you have uh, of course uh, also uh, views on on how the European Parliament can uh, engage towards or should be engaged in these uh, talks. But if you look at the the great number or the large number of work streams uh, or task forces set up, which one under this uh, Trade and Technology Council, which one do you believe have? Uh, the most sort of uh, reasonable um, rate of success ahead of it um, in terms of advancing substantially in, in, uh, in, uh, in the months ahead. Would you see the risk that if I mention some, so the others may be lazy then? So that <laughs> actually it is very comprehensive, but it is very up to uh, up to the date. So say that the challenges that we do see. Uh, I uh, also when we had some contacts to White House in the spring, when uh, USA was still considering the answer before the Biden visit on the proposal by the Commission and European side. So this is the start from, from our side to ask for TTC to happen. It was uh, a little bit skeptical with some people that, you know, you have quite many dialogues going on. So uh, now what, what should we do is to find another way because uh, we have uh, too often uh, a dialogue set up without very concrete results. So uh, some people see that now when there is a political leadership from both sides following uh, and coming to the Pittsburgh face to face meets each other, gives more uh, possibilities to also find something. For me, I'm, I'm quite straightforward in my speaking, so I think one uh, uh, um, phenomena that carries us forward is that there is an urgency to do something. And this is also, if we very openly and frankly look at this, we see uh, USA doing agreements with other parts of the world on semiconductors, on uh, trade, 
on some military uh, equipment uh, trade deals and so on. So if we don't do it, if we only start dialogues all the time, we uh, will not uh, reach what we want from the European side. So of course, we also do uh, our Asia-Pacific strategy coming up. I'm personally working on the e-commerce as a standing rapporteur in the parliament, if there would be agreement in a TSI in, in the WTO framework. And if not, uh, I don't know how much appetite is left uh, after we see many deals on e-commerce uh, or digital data transfers bilaterally or regionally. So that's why I think there is really uh, now something that we, we need to rethink how to do it. So I would not pick up any single one. My favorite are of the, of course, the clean tech, but it was very great speech we heard from the Atlantic Council, which I fully agree. We need the systemic change, so we need to use the best technology available and not to make the trade uh, barriers to uh, not that uh, transit to happen. Uh, and then also on AI, maybe my duty as a, working for IDA committee also, uh, and there were already some leaked papers which we could very easily recognize, uh, resemble the, the legislative proposal we are already working in. But for me, this is to, to really the way to find each other on the global challenges that we do face. And let me conclude, uh, on the parliament, uh, it, it, it again resembles the, the, the reality we live in. The trade people, they do have good contacts. I'm also uh, in the committee with Anna on the intercommittee, the trade committee, and we have had hearings of the commission representative from the DG Trade. So we do uh, have our scrutiny for the commission, what they are preparing and doing. But there are so many other committees who do not have these international uh, links uh, and structures to do. And this is the challenge also inside the parliament inside the Congress, but also, I think, uh, in, in the whole structures, that if we only look this from the uh, lenses of the uh, thing service, or if we look this from through the lenses of trade, we won't, won't do what is needed for the climate, what is needed for the tech cooperation, and what is needed for the human-centric uh, trustworth AI, for example. So that's why we should really think the structures, how to involve the new people on the transatlantic relations. Thank you, Mia Petra. And uh, I hear uh, Europe needs to do more deals uh, and not only dialogue uh, or fac facilitating dialogue. Uh, Anna, when we look at the joint EU-US COVID manufacturing and supply, uh, supply chain task, or we look at EU-US high-level climate action group, uh, and we now get the TTC, uh, do you support what Mia Petra says that, you know, we are not in lack of platforms for dialogue, uh, but uh, so far um, none of these have really made a huge difference to to uh, progressing the, the EU-US um, relationship? Yeah, well, well, like I said, Olaf, I mean, I'm, I'm just as impatient as the next person who's in favor of, of making progress. And I'm just, you know, I'm in favor of action, speak louder than words. But, you know, these are not simple issues. And, and uh, so, yes, yeah, so I agree. I agree with, uh, with what Mia Petra says. And I, I think that, you know, these can only enhance uh, dialogue and and I just want to add to that that 
you know, this shouldn't be viewed as a, a competitive process. It, it should be viewed as a process of, of a synthesis and coming together. And um, I know that this feeds into the, you know, this discussion that's going on now about what our strategic autonomy is and and if this is a good thing for the relationship or a bad thing for the relationship. And and I just, if I can just add my two cents here of the way I, I look at this. Um, you know, when we have this discussion about strategic autonomy and people are saying if they're in favor of it or against, you really wonder what they mean. You know, does it mean, I don't know, a, an army? Does it mean defense capacity? Does it mean digital sovereignty? What does it mean exactly? Well, I, I you know, I take the Greek perspective to, to this issue as a Greek MEP and, and I look at the etymology of the word and autonomy is a Greek word. It's the word autonomia and it literally means um, it, it, it's it's from the two words aftos, which means self, and nomos, which means law. So it literally what it means is the ability to, or the right you have to make your own rules. And um, this is something we know a lot about in the in the EU. It causes the Brussels effect, which uh, Mia Petra also mentioned previously. So for me, this this forum in the in the TTC and talking. Uh, will lead to an understanding of each other's rules and through what's our common set of values and our common interests will lead us to create new rules and to agree on new rules. And that is, uh, that will be a, um, an autonomy that I think can inspire like-minded partners. And even if you take our combined size, um, you know, sort of force them in this new uh, effect, which is beyond the Brussels effect, it could be the Brussels and U.S. effect, and 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 I'll close by saying that you know, and as a as a lawyer, you know, we have this concept of when we talk about liability, many times we talk about joint and several liabilities. So you you hold people accountable at the same in the same way, e equally on their own and jointly. And I think that that's how we should look at strategic autonomy. Um, this is something that we want to have on our own, but we also want to have with our major, our most important and valued partner, which is the United States. So, um, so you know, the, the basic answer is uh, yes, dialogue is a good thing and it will lead to rules and it will lead to action eventually and we certainly should not stop. A follow-up question on the strategic autonomy. And in your op-ed, you, uh, you referred to China being the elephant in the room. So, you know, what, uh, to what extent can the TTC serve in, uh, in addressing that particular big elephant? Well, look, uh, I think not mentioning China expressly uh, is 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 a compromise, and and you know it's fine. It, uh, compromises are are uh, an important aspect of reaching common ground. Um, and in any case, I, I mean, I think as champions of multilateral world order, what we want is rules that are that have lead to a, a, a level playing field that make sure things are fair and that everybody plays by. So whether you mention China or not, I mean, everybody knows that China is not doing pretty doing well adhering to these rules. And so if you want to just mention what they're doing as opposed to mention their name, that's fine with me. But um, I think that the United States will be very forceful. It's clear of making China a focal point. And I think that the European Union is going to have a different, more balanced 
up and more nuanced, let's say, approach to this. Uh, but we can see eye to eye when it comes to uh, practices that are that are simply unacceptable, regardless, by the way, of who is engaging in them. So, you know, whether we talk about the elephant in the room or we don't talk about the elephant in the room, the elephant is there. Uh, but we have to deal with um, the rules that the elephant has to live by. So that's the important part. And that's why this uh, this council can can uh, make some headway that goes uh, beyond what we can do uh, individually. Thank you. I would like to revert to one of your points, George, on trade. Um, I mean, the, it's difficult to see that uh, we will be able to solve uh, intricate problems such as climate. Um, without having trade policies that works uh, for uh, in the direction of solving it, i.e. we need uh, trade in, in tech that helps us all solve uh, emission issues. We need uh, to price in um, so that polluter pays all across the world. How do you see the EU and the US cooperate in order to, to take forward WTO, the necessary WTO reforms, or is that um, not in the way to, to deal with uh, an issue such as climate? Well, I, I agree with you 100% that we're not going to make the kind of global progress on climate that we need without trade policies that support rather than impede or create friction among uh, countries that must be working together and cooperating, and that this is going to require uh, some uh, real reevaluation of some of the current WTO trade rules, whether uh, climate-friendly trade policy can wait for overall WTO reform, it seems to me remains uh, uncertain. I think the importance of the Trade and Technology Council is uh, that following the summit, EU-US summit, it was set up and moving forward uh, in a very aggressive way. And that's a really good sign for cooperation. But I'm not sure that this is gonna be the venue where US-EU trade uh, issues are, are most intensely examined or negotiated. Right now, of course, the Kerry team at the State Department doesn't want to deal with trade issues at all until after the the COP in Glasgow, because the folk, U.S. focus is entirely on raising everyone's uh, ambition going into Glasgow, and trade issues are are sort of a, a you know an impediment to that right now, uh, a side issue. Uh, but there, there, what the venue is going to be for serious discussion of trade issues is not clear. It could be the Trade uh, and Technology Council. It could be this uh, uh, trade and environment uh, sustainability dialogue set up a year ago by about 50 countries under the WTO, WTO rubric, which had a meeting a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it could be the WTO, it could be the COP, it could be the WTO ministerial. It could be some other uh, bilateral or plurilateral discussions between a few countries. 
uh, Secretary uh, Janet Yellen suggested that this be taken up by the G20. That didn't uh, fly very far. There are people who think this should be a subject of the G7 meeting upcoming. Um, so I think there are uh, still uh, some clarity about what venue or venues are going to be the best. But I do think that this is something that needs to be addressed soon. And uh, an example of the border carbon adjustment issues, BCAM issues, just a couple of observations about why I think that is not going to be, in the end, the hardest uh, problem and can be resolved. Uh, Executive Vice President Timmermans was in the U.S. last week. We did a discussion with him at the Atlantic Council, a public one, and put him together with some journalists. He said publicly and privately, you know, we don't really want to impose a BCAM. We just want other countries to raise their ambition. Uh, and in fact, uh, of all of the, the products, the sectors that the BCAM would cover, at least according to the initial proposal, uh, the only one where there's significant trade from the United States, imports from the United States is steel. And the current BCAM would give US steel a huge competitive advantage. So the BCAM is proposed by the EU right now is very advantageous to the United States. Uh, in the United States, I think there's generally a, no understanding at all of what this is all about. And so there have been proposals in the, in the Congress for, for uh, border adjustment or border import tax, carbon tax, that, that people completely don't understand is premised on having a, a, a price in the US, which we apparently are not going to have. Uh, and uh, the way it's proposed has no chance of meeting WTO rules ever. So all of this can easily be harmonized. I, I think it's the heart, the bigger issues about subsidies and uh, public purchase and public investment that are going to have to be addressed. And it's not clear to me where the vet, what the best venue is going to be. Maybe more than one. It may be the Trade and Technology Council, or it may not. Thanks, George. We have a question uh, from, uh, from the audience, uh, from Andreas Aktu-Dianikis, who is lead policy analyst at the European Policy Center. Um, and he is a query about um, whether we, uh, instead of pitting the EU-US TTC against China, what would be a more constructive way to address the issue of China? Perhaps uh, that one needs to go to you, Ruth. Thanks a lot, uh, Oli, for this. Um, in fact, I, I think it is very, very clear, um, uh, also from colleagues from uh, from my commission colleagues, that the TTC is not an anti-China platform. Um, of course, um, uh, many of the challenges discussed are um, uh, came to the fore and are there because of uh, of China, but uh, within the TTC there is an opportunity to discuss. It will not, as as George said, it will not be the place where trade negotiations uh, will be will be taking place or the resol or resolving the the trade uh, the trade issues. But bes beyond uh, beyond the aircraft Boeing, beyond the two, uh, 232 or WTO, there are. 
um, also a number of uh, other challenges related to trade that, uh, that certainly will be uh, will be discussed in uh, in the TTC. Um, and uh, and as I said, it will be also about um, you know uh, setting standards globally and how to engage with uh, with uh, with other partners. Um, as as you may recall, also from uh, from the summit. Um, but even before, once once the administration came uh, came uh, um, set up set up shop, um, and there was a decision to have a high level dialogue on on China and uh, and uh, China related challenges. Um, we do have a different approach from uh, uh, towards China from the US, though. Uh, you know, we've seen also the the US um, in joint statements also. Uh, Using uh, our, uh, you know, sort of uh, way of uh, of seeing the relations uh, with uh, with China, we have set up um, a a dialogue with with the US, and there we discuss a number of issues aside from uh, also, of course, the economic and let's say global global issues. Um, uh, we also discuss, um, uh, for instance, human rights issues or the role of China in uh, multilateral organizations, you know, security, and now also, uh, of course, with the Indo-Pacific strategy, the EU having an Indo-Pacific uh, strategy um, um, uh, that we've just we've just launched. There will be also a, a number of regional issues that uh, that we could discuss. Um, maybe also here I wanted to make uh, brackets that we're still awaiting for uh, for the administration to come to the fore with the, with their own uh, assessment of uh, of China and the, the and the, their policy. So we've seen sort of fragmented in different speeches or in different ways, but uh, um, uh, we you know we're still awaiting for the for the U.S. to come to the fore with their uh, with their strategy and let us know what they intend to do. For instance, with uh, with phase one. So. Um, you know how uh, you know what sort of relationship they uh, they want with uh, or they're they're looking for with China. So this will be uh, will be very interesting also to uh, so to um, to discuss with the US once we have a clearer also idea of their of their vision and maybe something that was not mentioned uh, by uh, by colleagues um, uh, or by, by myself earlier is the fact that um, you know that we have this window of opportunity to work uh, to work with the US ahead of uh, the midterm elections and this will be uh, also a big uh, you know big point or turning point to see where the where these elections are are uh, are going but of course in the meantime we would uh, we've seen already that Biden takes a lot of his foreign policy decisions and also China related or also you know like tariffs relating like the 232 because of internal uh, um US uh, US policy politics so um, also, where uh, where the midterm elections will go will be quite uh, quite important in our relationship going forward. Thank you, Ruth. Um, I just want to uh, bring you back in the conversation, Giovanni, um, and um, perhaps uh, reflect a bit uh, around what the expectations of business are when it comes to supply chains. They have been strained during uh, the pandemic uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but when we are slowly uh, returning to opening up uh, society, uh, our societies, we see um, that uh, there are discussions both on the US side and here in Europe about how to uh, make sure that we have secure supply chains um, going forward. Uh, it, pertains, uh, it relates to what Anna brought up as, as strategic autonomy, obviously. Um, but, um, and we see that Biden has 
discuss this in terms of being independent or more independent uh, with regard to China. Um, how do you see the European business community is now uh, working to um, revisit their supply chains across the globe, be it transatlantic or be it towards Asia? Thank you, Olaf. Uh, uh, now, the supply chains is obviously one of the key issues, I think, and on, on, on which we expect uh, discussions, uh, as has been said before, but also some uh, decisions and step forward and possibly uh, a work plan uh, at the forthcoming uh, GTC. I mean, there is obviously the, the, uh, the, the issue of specifically the issues of uh, the issue of semiconductors, which uh, on which probably there will be uh, quite a bit of maybe not not easy discussions as well, I think, going forward. Um, supply chains is definitely key. And well, I mean, European industry and um, obviously speak for you know transatlantic industry at large, but we've seen European industry in a number of sectors over the past uh, years and months already adapting uh, supply chains, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a variety, variety of, uh, of, uh, of areas. So, you know, the, I think the TDC discussions on this come at a moment where industry has already started to um, adapt, if you like, or trying to, trying to adapt. But we do see a variety of, uh, of sectors where, you know, um, things are uh, very um, complicated, let's say. So I think that a, definitely a joint, um, you know, transatlantic understanding and agreement on some step forwards uh, on supply chains would be uh, definitely very, 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 very much welcome. Now, I would say, as has been mentioned earlier by other speakers, supply chains, and, you know, it's, it's certainly one of the... Uh, I would say three, four, or five areas on where we uh, we expect uh, some, you know, outcomes and, and deliverables um, later later this week. So fingers crossed. Man. Thank you, Giovanni. Um, I'm uh, mindful of time, but I'm also um, uh, keen to hear Mia uh, Petra and, and uh, Anna um, on on the the role of member states. Um, yeah, Petra, Finland has just um, uh, organized or helped organize the meeting between the top brass in the in the U.S. Um, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, military um, and or military a, a big military meeting. Um, then we have um, uh, uh, several academic in 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 um, Greece who has argued for. Um, roads to transatlantic relations actually going through Athens because there is the Eastern Mediterranean region that needs attention from, from both sides. Um, how do you see actually member states um, and the union um, you know, contributing to uh, making a, a success out of the transatlantic relationship? Perhaps starts with you, uh, Mia Petra. Yes, uh, Finland is uh, always a bridge builder, if possible, and, and then having now the interest on the Arctic strategy also soon out from the, the Commission, uh, it was an important meeting, of course, that we could bring uh, a, a fora for the US and Russia uh, high military 
people to meet, but then uh, uh, recording to TTC and member states, of course, uh, TTC doesn't have a mandate to agree on something that is on the power of the parliament, neither the M uh, MS or the member states. So at this phase, uh, the, it, it's the agenda, it's a dialogue, it, it's a council. But then if uh, we do or the, the negotiators do their work well, of course, uh, we hope that there will, will be some ideas for the further agreement and at least then the really good involvement of the member states for the mandate and then for the parliament as well is needed. So at this phase, it's the scrutiny to follow the important issues happening, happening there, but uh, also I, I see that uh, the, the main goal is that we uh, are active and then uh, want to build uh, the global uh, rules together and with the power of two continents instead of one. And we still see so many likes that, uh, that, that we target the, the same goal. So I do see that um, sometimes in the United States, uh, they do see the head uh, the countries more than EU, uh, which I think is under uh, the development so that also they are learning slowly that parliament is actually a legislator when it comes to the new tech, for example, so platforms, AI, you name it. So that's why I also am favoring the, the dialogue in between the parliaments and at least on July, uh, our visit of the US delegation together with the Congress, we have a line in one, on our one pager that we will follow TTC and hope to provide some support for that. Great. Anna, does the road to rebuilding, rebuilding the transatlantic alliance run through Athens as your compatriots George Pagolutos and Katerina Suko wrote in an Atlantic Council piece? Well, I think that, um, you know, I'd like to say yes, but I certainly think um, Greece can play uh, a very important role. I mean, it, it's quite clear that the United States has shifted its uh, focus and that uh, I'm not saying its entire focus, but clearly a, a, a big amount of it will be on the in the Indo-Pacific region. So, you know, there, there is a void uh, in in our neighborhood here, and uh, I think that you know we we don't a void is always dangerous because you don't know who's going to fill it. And I think that Europe um, Europe really needs to play an important role there, and that goes back to our discussion on strategic autonomy. But um, in essence, it's very important to have uh, stability, and it's very important to have. Um, uh, peace altogether. So uh, Greece has an excellent is is a very uh, is a member of the European Union. Greece has an excellent relationship with the United States. Greece has an excellent relationship now has developed an excellent relationship with all of its neighbors in the Eastern Mediterranean, with Israel, with Egypt. Um, Greece has been very active diplomatically in putting to rest uh, open issues based on international law. And, um, you know, Greece, I think, is a, it's sort of a no brainer that it would be uh, a very good um, focal point for uh, policy in the region that would safeguard peace and stability. Um, now, you know, and I think that the European Union has to also uh, be a lot more assertive when it comes to uh, filling this this void and dealing with uh, 
proxy wars dealing with uh, Turkey and its aggressive behavior and its breaches of international law. Uh, so I think that Greece is going to de facto play a much bigger role in the future than it has in the past with the government of Kyriakos Mitsotakis, whose external whose diplomacy and diplomatic efforts have been so um, just really active in the past uh, in the past two years. Thank you, Anna. And uh, Ruth, um, last question to, to you. Financial Times uh, said, uh, I think, last week, the EU-US relations and the TTC uh, and the progress under the TTC uh, is going to be slow and unspectacular sorry, and subject to diplomatic spats. Do you agree to, uh, to Financial Times' uh, assessment or can we be a bit more positive based on the discussions we've had uh, today? I'm a diplomat, so I, I have to be positive. It's my job. So, uh, um, you know, it, as I said, this relationship is, uh, you know, certainly the TTC is uh, really one of the biggest outcomes of the summit and really of uh, the work there will be of uh, huge importance. So we've seen, you know, as we see the interest from the private sector, companies, the on the US side, civil society, you know, it's, it is really the core of, of the work, you know, what kind of internet do we want, what kind of, you know, what kind of standards, do we, it, it really is the, the, the basis uh, for for good work um you know a, a lot there is a lot of excitement of course because it is a huge thing but ultimately it will be about you know step by step working together and uh, you know forging uh, you know outcomes uh, um going forward you know with discussing with with the member states that you know in some parts of these working groups they and they they're, they're, they have to implement or very much work and with and with uh, with the MEPs as uh, you know as uh, many have mentioned the cross work that is going on on EU legislation you know I, I would not be so negative at the same time I think you know what uh, what happened uh, last week also makes us realize that we have to go forward we have to have our strategies for the Indo-Pacific we have to uh, you know we have to set our, our standards and uh, you know, we showed this to the world uh, already during the previous administration that we will keep on working, and I think this is this was a good uh, a good message. But at the same time, we have uh, very strong and good partners in uh, in Washington at the moment. Yes, there are hiccups, and uh, but um, but certainly there are you know there's there's really there's a really good partnership and a really good uh, we have good partners across the Atlantic. So I think now is the time to use this and. Um, and, you know, we, we should not, you know, the, now it's really urgent. And uh, when it comes now to standard setting, we, we really need to get it right this time. Uh, so I wouldn't be so pessimistic. I would let um, let the working groups do a bit of their work. And then in uh, maybe in six uh, months or a year's time, we can have another discussion. Very good. I would be pleased to have that discussion in uh, in a six uh, months' time, given the urgency that uh, all of the panelists are actually uh, put or seeing or wanting to see in the relations uh, between the EU and the US. US. I've heard today that um, uh, there is a solid relationship between the EU and the US. Yes, there has been bump, but the base is very solid. Um, two. There is uh, no uh, the time for um, urgent dialogue 
Um, this is actually uh, taking place. There's a number of platforms where this uh, will take place. And there's a new energy uh, behind many of these platforms. This um, energy stems from an urgency seen both from the US and the EU to deal with some uh, global issues of uh, importance to both parties. And then um, on, a, on a positive note, also on the basis of the, the many uh, people we've seen in the streets uh, across the globe, climate looks to be one of the issues where the EU and the US will need to advance the most together and jointly take leadership and uh, stewardship of um, talks coming up to COP26. On that, thanks to all of you for, uh, for taking part uh, in uh, this debate today. And also thanks to all of you who have followed the debate. Again, this will be available uh, on the net uh, after we have closed. And um, enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.